Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Reading Beijing, where we talk about the political and strategic implications of China's rule in the Middle East and the wider world. I'm Bill Figueroa, your very own Bill in the China Shop, and today I'll be talking about China's reaction to the tensions between Iran and Pakistan, and try to give an assessment of its overall strategy in the region. So without further ado or pointless rambling, let's begin. Beijing has demonstrated its ability to float above the Middle East fray like a butterfly, but whether it can sting like a bee remains to be seen. The last two weeks have seen a number of developments that place pressure on China's regional strategy. Against the backdrop of the war in Gaza threatening to spill out in a wider conflict, Beijing has had to navigate the Houthis' continuous attacks on Red Sea shipping lanes. Further complicating matters was a series of military exchanges between Chinese allies, Iran and Pakistan, who both claimed to have struck out against anti-government militias located across the border. Despite pressure mounting from Western nations for China to become more deeply involved in regional affairs, Chinese leaders seem to be content to hang back and stay the course. On January 17th, Iran launched a series of missile and drone strikes on Pakistani soil saying it was carrying out attacks on an Iranian Sunni Muslim militant group, Jaysh al-Adl, that had previously carried out attacks against a police station in Iran. The next day, Pakistan carried out attacks in the Iranian province of Sistan and Baluchistan, ostensibly against the Baluchistan Liberation Army and the Baluchistan Liberation Front, two militant groups fighting for greater autonomy. The initial reaction in Pakistan was angry, uh, recalling their ambassador from Tehran over the incident, while a related development saw Iraq withdraw its ambassador following a similar Iranian strike in Erbil, which it claimed was targeting Kurdish separatists. You see this sort of thing happen a lot when there's ongoing tension in a region, or especially when there's low-level military conflict like there is now. Countries will often carry out small-scale strikes with the hopes that nobody will notice or that it will just sort of get glossed over in the general fray of what's happening. And you see a number of other attacks happening in other parts of the region as well, uh, attacks in Turkey, uh, in Syria, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see more before the dust settled. But when it comes to this particular incident, China's reaction has been predictably muted. Mao Ning, the spokesperson for China's foreign ministry, told reporters that, quote, if there is a need from the two sides, China was willing to play a constructive role in cooling down the situation. While the case was not widely covered in state media, an official hot Q&A on the conflict between Iran and neighboring countries emphasized the concerns of both sides and didn't assign blame to either. Iran's attacks were seen as retaliation for the attacks on the Rask County police station, according to the article, and was also seen as an attempt to reduce the rising pressure of domestic public opinion following the devastating attacks in Kerman earlier this month. Pakistan, meanwhile, was said to be responding to violations on their sovereignty. The article concludes optimistically, reporting that the two sides had already begun to discuss a resumption of relations due to the historical and fraternal relationship between the two countries. As reports came out that the Pakistani ambassador had indeed made plans to return to Tehran, China implied, but did not directly claim, that it played a positive role in facilitating this outcome. And undoubtedly, Chinese diplomats were facilitating and discussing things with both sides throughout the process. 
Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin said that China remains in close communication with both Iran and Pakistan, and that it would like to continue to play a positive and constructive role in improving relations between the two sides based on the needs of the two countries, emphasizing once again its role as a facilitator and a supporter of regional initiatives. China's position on the Houthis has also been subtly evolving, from one that emphasizes opposition to the instability caused by the Houthi attacks to one that emphasizes the destabilizing potential of the US and UK response. Multiple articles have emphasized that the Houthis have tied the issue to a ceasefire in Gaza, and end with the same sentence. Some countries have condemned the actions of the United States and Britain, believing that this is a violation of Yemen's sovereignty and will aggravate regional tensions. While China undoubtedly wants the Houthi attacks to end, it does not seem to have any real influence over the situation, and it seems to be aware of that. Its cautious approach also seems to be paying off, at least from a purely self-interested perspective. The Houthis have officially announced that they will not, intentionally at least, target Chinese or Russian vessels. One Houthi leader said in an interview that as long as they are not related to Israel, Chinese and Russian vessels will have safe passage near Yemen. Meanwhile, China's regional activities continue unabated, as it strengthens its economic relationship and diplomatic partnership with key countries. Last week saw a major conference between China and the Arab League in Cairo, where Foreign Minister Wang Yi flexed China's diplomatic muscle and continued to provide rhetorical support for Gaza. This week, a new major deal was signed between China and Saudi Arabia that would see Saudi company Sabic construct a 6.4 billion petrochemical complex in China. Tensions between Iran and Pakistan don't seem to have had much effect on China's relationship with either country, as China and Pakistan both commit to deeper cooperation under the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. Not to be outdone, Iran also announced a 30% rise in exports to China over the previous year, and a 27% fall in imports, somewhat addressing the trade imbalance between the two nations, although it was still about $5 billion in China's favor, and the total volume of trade actually declined a little bit, about 6% overall compared to 2023, so not much has really changed on that front. The rise of Russia as China's top oil supplier, which also happened this week, may put pressure on Iran, which has previously lost out to discounted Russian oil in the Chinese market. Since the Saudi-Iran deal was brokered last year, calls for China to take on a deeper, more substantial role in the Middle East have been growing louder, especially in Western media and foreign policy circles, alongside fears of that very same phenomenon. There are those who argue that China has already disappointed regional partners and performed below expectations, and that its regional strategy exposes it to risk or is unsustainable in the long run. But despite this, Beijing remains committed to its rather conservative portfolio of diplomatic engagement and economic development, resisting any temptation to become involved militarily and criticizing the United States' intervention, even in situations where it supports the underlying goals of said intervention. China refuses to get more deeply involved in regional affairs and with good reason. Its main strengths are its expansive and comprehensive diplomatic and economic engagement with the region. 
It has no misconceptions that it can match U.S. military power, nor does it fail to understand the value of the U.S. in maintaining international shipping systems. China has no real reason to get involved militarily, and it seems to me that no one in the region is really expecting or hoping for it to do so. All of China's recent actions have been geared not towards supplanting the United States, but rather minimizing risks to China's regional framework of economic development and diplomatic engagement. In terms of weathering the storm and maintaining business as usual, Beijing is doing a remarkably good job. This concludes today's edition of Reading Beijing, where we talked about the political and strategic implications of China's role in the Middle East and the wider world. Reading Beijing is part of the Persu Media Minutes podcast series, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Persu Media Minutes offers podcasts of select Persu Media analyses on Iran, China, and the MENA region. Persu Media itself provides media research, open source intelligence, analysis, AI-driven analytics, and strategic communications consultancy. You can find out more about the services Persu Media offers by checking out their website, persumedia.com, or finding them on LinkedIn or Twitter under at Persumedia. Until next time, my name is Bill Figueroa, your Bill in the China shop, and this has been Reading Beijing. Music